Winnaker Weekly is a three-episode-in anime discussion podcast where two brothers discuss a show of their choice. The show can be anything from a current season flop to a decades-old classic. What are they going to talk about next? Who knows? They sure don't. And let's get right into it. So uh, we've kind of been discussing um, the news portion. Um, that's not really something that we want to continue doing. We wanted to, uh, or at least I kind of had that thought. I still want to talk about things that kind of excite me and whatnot. Sure, sure. But like we're reporting don't need... on news, like it, it feels more like, um, it honestly felt like more drudgery to me trying to find things that interested me either as, rather as opposed to just talking about things that just come up that excite me. Mm -hmm. So... Sure, yeah, we don't have to, uh, I mean, we'll take a look at the news and uh, keep think. and if something is interesting, we'll bring it up, but we may not bring you the news every week. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just exciting things that uh, aren't necessarily headline-worthy come mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And this well, week is full of those things. Well, they're headline-worthy for us, which is why we're talking about them. They sure are. Um, first and foremost, LEGO has revealed their official Voltron set. <laughs> it's $180... And it's over 2,200 pieces. It might be 2,300 pieces plus. I have I don't remember. But it's actually based off of the original Voltron from the 80s. Wow. And yes, they, you construct five individual lions and then you put them together to make the original Voltron. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I really want to get it. <laughs> I really want to get it. I'm a big Lego fan. I've got the Tower of Orthanc. I've got some Star Wars things. Uh, I love nice... Big Lego sets. They're a lot of fun to put you together. You even have the Beatles Yellow Submarine. I have Yellow Submarine. Yes, I do. So, you've got quite the collection. Uh, not as big as I would like it to be, because Legos <laughs> are expensive, and I am poor. Anyways. So, you know, if you guys start helping sponsor our podcast, we can afford even more Legos, and then, you know, with these videos, we might even have a nice studio with a whole uh, <laughs> shelf of them behind us. Oh, yeah, make a studio, we'll just fill it with Legos, because, you know... We're a Lego podcast and not an anime <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Anyways, uh, oh, we're, we're we're a geek podcast. Yeah. We talk about we talk about anime and games and things that interest us. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we do, but focus anime on... does interest us. Yeah, quite we, a fo bit. we focus on the anime though. Though we might we may branch out and talk about three episodes of other things as well. Sure. Especially since there is a show coming out in August that I really really want to watch. Oh, yeah? um, I'm a big fan of Futurama. Simpsons, no, not so much. Um, but Futurama was my jam. I love that show. And creator Matt Groening, I'm probably getting his name wrong. He has just revealed his new series that he has that he is doing with Netflix and what's called this? Disenchantment. And it, the the trailer starts out saying, uh, "He took you to the future in Futurama. He showed you the present in Springville. Now, and he, he goes on to saying how the the last um the last possible conclusion, you know, or the next logical step is the past. <laughs> and it's uh." It goes into the the, the teaser. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put the link on our Patreon and on our YouTube and stuff so you guys yeah. can go ahead and see it. Um, uh, we should probably even just tweet it out. Um, but the um, but yeah, it's a it's a Simpsons slash Futurama style comedy set in a medieval fantasy world, and I could not be more excited to give that a try. And it launches, I believe, August seventeenth. On Netflix. Fantastic. Yep. I'm so very, disenchant very excited. Disenchantment. This is a uh, fantasy side. This is a uh, medieval fantasy type. I see. I mean, Renaissance fantasy. To, um, not quite sure. They went into a castle in the preview. Okay. So, yeah. It's it's in the past. Right. Medieval era. So. Right. I just... Given his uh, penchant for uh, a play on words... Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure disenchantment refers to literally a wizard who doesn't want to be a wizard anymore or something along those lines. It's possibly. Not <laughs> quite sure. You know, whatever. I'm I'm excited to give it a try. And with Netflix, we don't have to wa wait for episodes. They're just going to release the entire thing. Oh, fantastic. So we should watch those first three episodes and uh, maybe give a review on that. But anyways, um, so yeah. And then you had some stuff that you were excited about. And I'm excited oh. about it too. So. Oh, yes. Um, so... I've been following Something Witty Entertainment on Twitter for a while now, and they just released 
the teasers. R- real fast, for those who don't know something with Weedy Entertainment, they're the ones who make Sword Art Online abridged. Yes, they are. So, um, they're, it's, which is an absolutely fantastic uh, abridgment. Um, heavy in the uh, language and uh, other content. It's not for, it's but not for younger children, it's, but it's still hysterical. Uh, it's just fantastic. And they... Um, so, they've been working on Sword Art Online Abridged for quite a while now. And they just released a trailer for their next episode. Mm-hmm. Which is, it'll be episode 13. And, um, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, so in, in the trailer, uh, Kirito comes into, uh, Tiffany's bar. If, you, if you've seen the show, you, you, you know who we're talking about. Um... In the, in the abridged version, the big black guy goes by the name Tiffany, and it's just hilarious. And mm-hmm. it's voiced by the uh, incomparable Octopimp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes in the bar ranting and raving, and just d- doesn't stop with the tonality of his voice as he begins to say, I'm just venting, I really appreciate that you're the kind of guy who can handle this, yeah. I appreciate our friendship. But it's- he's absolutely, he doesn't change the the tone of his voice he's yelling the whole time watch the trailer okay we'll go ahead we'll go ahead and link it as well um but but uh they're also doing a uh, an abridged version of my hero academia and we've mentioned mm -hmm. it on the show before that uh that was in the works they finally released a teaser for the first episode and they released both these teasers to their patrons a while ago but they raised they they made some incredible milestone while raising money for charity Mm -hmm. and so they decided to go ahead as a reward release those two to the public on youtube yep so and so um, we're going to link you uh to the uh to those uh pages on our page on our patreon and on twitter we'll just uh share that out to our uh, listeners Mm mm-hmm yeah, so um, that's kind of it for what we wanted to chat about real fast. Um, mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and jump into three episodes in now. All right, let's do this. Okay, and this week we are talking about Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato 2199. That is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. It's not the biggest mouthful we've had for uh, titles, mm-hmm. but uh, it's still there. Okay, so this is the synopsis taken from Crunchyroll. Yes. <sighs> Excuse me. So the power-hungry Gamliels have taken over Earth, and only a distant planet has the key to save humans from extinction. Granted the schematics of a high-powered engine, the space battleship Yamato is built to traverse the galaxy and retrieve hope for their survival. Battling extraterrestrial forces along the way, the crew of the Yamato will stop at nothing to save their home. Now this is a... Much like uh, Megaloboxing, this is uh, an anime that is a recreation of a throwback... uh... Megaloboxing is, is, I would still say, is different. I mean, it's it's a retelling of um, Ashtano Joe, Tomorrow's Joe. Yeah. Um, but it's um, it's it's a retelling, as you know, Lion King is a retelling of Hamlet, where it's got the same story punches, but it's right. still telling a, a different story. Right. But if you're into mm-hmm. that retro flavor. Yeah. Well. Well. Yes, okay, I will definitely agree with you on that. If you're into that retro flavor, it doesn't do it as well. Like, this yeah. is more this is more a throwback to 70s, 80s anime yes. with more modern-day animation techniques. Right. Where me- Megaloboxing, it's a th- it's um, modern-day anime, but they have done it in a way towards a throwback to the 90s anime. So, different eras. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um... Medical boxing has a look and the feel of an old school anime yes, of a ninety of a nineties era anime, um, whereas this one I don't quite agree. I mean, I think they've done a good job of making it more for a modern audience. No, it's true. So, it's true. That, that... Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> I hope I didn't step in your toes there. No, it's fine. Okay. All right. So uh, the first episode starts off with. Um... A space battle uh, between the Earth forces and the Gamilas, mm-hmm. and um, the the uh, and, and so when we're introduced to um, the uh, the future captain of the Yamato, the guy, the old guy with the white beard. What mm-hmm. was his name? Oh, um, we're introduced to him. Um, I want to say Okita, mm-hmm. Admiral Okita. Let me go ahead and just double check that real fast. Um, 
Yeah, that's Okita. All right. Okay. So he is in. He is in charge of this fleet, and um, the uh, the fleet gets attacked by uh, the, the Earth fleet gets attacked by the Gamlias, and the Gamlias just rip the Earth fleet to shreds like single shots are tearing through their ships, whereas the Earth fleet's firing back, and then most of their shots are just bouncing off of the enemy fleet's hulls. Mm -hmm. um, so they're. Um, so it's it it's portrayed as a real hopeless battle because yeah they do uh, the a pretty, they do a really good job of showing just how hopeless Earth's forces are against this enemy fleet yeah mm -hmm. so that's where it kind of starts off but um, during that battle we cut to Mars and we see um, we see uh, two uh, young pilots that are stationed there mm -hmm. um, we see um, Kodai Susumu. And um, I don't think I actually wrote down his name, but the name of his friend right. who's with him. Um, but they are, um, they are, I mean, unlike most modern anime, which I'm actually very grateful that they're doing it this way, um, more, m most modern anime where they have a huge cast, they'll go ahead and put the character's name next to the person and not never really bother giving an introduction to them. Right. Whereas in this one, they're not doing that. You know they're yeah. not they're not interrupting the flow of the show just to say a person's name. Um, yeah, that was something that uh, both um, what was it? Uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Yeah, Legend they, of the Galactic Heroes. They, uh, Die New Thies, uh They they did that where they introduced a character or a ship and they'd uh, they'd uh, subtitle mm -hmm. it to let you know where you were and what it was. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it over and over again in My Hero Academia where they introduce somebody and says, this is who they are and this is their power. And it's just yeah, subtitled everywhere. Yep. Yep. And honestly, I think that's just a little bit annoying. But, you know, that that's just kind of me. Anyways, um, so I like how they're doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But so they're on Mars and this alien spacecraft that looks completely different from any other craft out there that's gold-looking crashes. Mm -hmm. um, but before it explodes, an escape pod uh, flies out and um kodai and his friend fly over to um this uh to the crash and they find they open up this pod and there's this beautiful woman in there uh, she's holding some kind of a device mm -hmm. not sure what it is but their order they they were on that planet to bring that woman and whatever she's carrying to earth right from mars um and they the uh the fleet, the, the the human fleet, um, as soon as they get word that they, um, that those two retrieved that ship, or retrieved the device, they pull back. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, at that time, out of the 30 plus ships, I think it's around 40 ships or so, in the yeah. human fleet, only two survive. And the last ship, which is commanded by, um, Kodai's older brother, yes. Major Kodai, um, he stays behind to um, let the Admiral retreat to Earth in safety. Right. Um, and so uh, that's that's just kind of the opening showing this really, really desperate situation. And they just show this incredible shot of where they say they're back at Earth. And you just see this red planet. Yeah, you're, you're like, wait. Your first inclination is, why are they calling Mars Earth? Uh-huh. But suddenly you realize... Something's happened. Yeah. Yep. Well, and then they show you immediately what's happened by showing these two planet-destroying missiles, or mm -hmm. like me almost meteorites. They reminded me of the mass driver weapons from Babylon Five. Yes. Um, where, where they they basically energize um, asteroids and throw them at planets. Yep. They. Um, yep. They're just massive, massive. They're, they're anti-planet weapons is pretty much what they are. Mm -hmm. Um. And they smash down into Earth, and uh, through the next uh, through the next couple episodes, we learn that the aliens are not just there to wipe out humanity; they're there to terraform Earth and make Earth a colony for them. Yeah. So they're they're turning Earth into a place that's suitable for their environments by launching these asteroids at it that are filled with like spores and toxins and things like that. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> anyways, um, so episode one's pretty straightforward. 
um, and they make it down to Earth. Um, and they don't even really... they. One thing that they don't do is they don't show us the opening until the end of episode two, as opposed to the end of episode one, like a lot of animes do. It's true. And there's a reason for that. There is. Uh, episode two... Um, okay, so... Hmm. There, yeah, there's, you, you, you go ahead and take over. Okay, so there's this major scene where the two main characters that we discussed, the, uh, the young man and his friend, um, steal a fighter pilot. A, a fighter jet. They make it. They make it to Earth and they land. And then, um, as as the brass is discussing what to do about this device they recovered, because the woman actually died, mm. like the the woman in the in the um, ship died, and they buried her on Mars. They left her there, her her there on Mars, and they they flew back to Earth without her. Um, but they're discussing what to do, and as they're discussing what to do and further their plans, or the plan Yamato is what they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, then they get an alarm. Then the the aliens, uh, a ship has made it to Earth, and um, yeah, so they hear an alarm, and then these two decide to go ahead and act on it, and they jump into an experimental fighter plane and fly off, which pisses off another one of the pilots. Yeah, because it was so his ship. It's his ship. It's his yeah. ship that they stole, <clears throat> and had they, I don't know, waited a few more minutes, maybe they might have put the ammunition back in maybe they would have loaded it yeah they flew off and they they get to the enemy ship and they're about to open fire on it and then they pull their triggers and whatnot and nothing's working they're completely weaponless on this ship and then they crash because the ship is an experimental prototype (laughs) and it wasn't quite done it wasn't quite done so they then crash and um as they crash, they um, they they get out of the of the wreckage of the prototype ship, and then they start uh, crawling through this desolate landscape. And they are wondering what a recon ship is doing out here. Like, what on earth are they trying to find? They're, and did, I, I'm pretty sure they said something to the effect that they were worried that by the time some, a rescue team comes out for them, they wouldn't have enough air to survive something or like so, that. something like that. that. That they came out pretty far. Yeah. And like, Humanity can no longer survive on the surface of the planet, so right. they built cities underground. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which are in a constant state of riot and things are just really, really bad for humanity. Yeah, there's terrorism and rioting and all sorts of bad things going on underground mm-hmm. with uh, mankind. And uh, so they, they end up cresting this hill trying to take a look around and see what they can do and they find a old style, an old ocean style battleship mm-hmm. buried up to its neck or like the command bridge yeah it's it's an old battleship like you know almost you know our era battleships yes. you know just and it's up to like over half of it's encased in this red dirt that the earth has turned into and they're like why on earth is that is this old ruin ship why is this old ruin like why is this recon ship interested in this old ruin and then they see a um, a carrier above, and this carrier starts launching fighters down, and the fighters start attacking this ruin. And they're like, what the crap is going on? Why are they interested in this ruin? Well, the ruin then turns on. And <laughs> the, the main guns all activate and aim up, and they just blow the enemy fleet out of the sky. So, yeah, just, just <laughs> instantly. They're uh-huh. just gone. And, and, which is, you know, they established in episode one how in how ineffective their weapons are against the enemy, mm-hmm. and suddenly these weapons wipe them out in a heartbeat. Wipe out the enemies as if they're nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely beautiful. They're like, no wonder the enemy wants this thing destroyed. They don't mm-hmm. have, they don't stand a chance. Yep, yep. But uh, yeah, it's it's top secret. Most people on Earth don't know about its existence and stuff like that. And yeah. the enemy has found out about it. Now, the, now, episode one and two are littered with all these micro scenes and introducing various characters that mm-hmm. that are kind of they're they're foreshadowing into stories that we're not going to be getting into today because they're going to, you know, be fleshed out through the rest of the yeah. show. But mm-hmm. that's that, that's kind of why we're skipping ahead and not delving too much mm-hmm. into individual pieces mm-hmm. that you'll I mean, see watching. There's this. loads of characters. There's Nambu, who's a bridge officer. Um, there is Yuki Mori, who is. Um, or, or Mori Yuki. I, was, she's a blonde. She She's also a member of the crew. Uh, was she the platinum blonde or the yellow blonde? Yellow blonde. Okay, because there was a platinum blonde who applied... I don't know her name, but she applied yeah. to be a fighter pilot, and mm-hmm. she was sent to accounting. Yeah, she wanted to be a fighter pilot, and she was sent to accounting. And so there's um, all these different characters There's Dr. Introduced. Sato, 
who like is the comic relief character yeah, he's he, a doctor he, who's always drinking yeah he, he's There's... drawn specifically differently and has mm-hmm. like a pet something i don't know if it was an, an actual cat or an alien dog or cat. something it's a cat it's oh, just okay. a weird like they drew him in the silly way that they drew comic relief characters back in that day yep uh, whereas everybody else their characters are very very like beautiful regal very very well drawn his is very very silly oh. um and then we have um kato saburo who's the pilot whose ship they stole yes um so yeah there's loads of characters uh, and some of them we don't even learn their names until episode three or later on right um but the, yeah this is just one of those epic series from the past where it just goes um but uh so fan fans of the original show will probably recognize many of these mm-hmm. characters as mm-hmm. they're being introduced well even fa- people who aren't fans like myself i still recognize the characters just because this show is so incredibly influential and we'll go ahead and get into that as, later. As to how how much it's influenced. Yeah, yeah. But um, we have... Uh, and I'm talking about the original show, not the, not the remake. The remake is still fairly new. Yes. Um, but yeah, so... Um, they then um, announced that we... That um, this cr- a crew that was selected to... And in their words, it was to help evacuate the planet. Like, that's not your job. That was a, that was a lie. Yeah. Your job is this job. Uh, and this is after they've defeated the enemy fleet and the, and the crews gather, gathered um, uh, in a meeting with the Admiral, uh, Admiral Okita. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they're they told, Your pl- our, our plan is this, and they tell them about Space Battleship Yamato, where over a year ago they first made contact with uh, these aliens who wanted to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they received another message yesterday, and they played that message, and it's from the, the alien who died. It's from her older sister. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, they kind of note um, a couple of times that uh, Yuki uh, looks just as beautiful as these beautiful, mysterious alien women. Right. Um, heavily, you know, foreshadowing and things like that. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Yuki, uh, or not Yuki, um, they then learned that that device was the final piece that they needed in order to power the Yamato, which is an interstellar battleship. It's yes. And that's huge for humanity because humanity hasn't left our, our our own solar system yet. No. No, we have yet to achieve any form of faster than light travel on our own at this time. Mm-hmm. And that makes humanity easy to... Uh, easy pickings for these aliens. Easy pickings for these mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. And the aliens... Like, a thought crossed my mind. Um, why aren't the aliens, if they're so techn- technologically advanced, why aren't they, you know, just attacking, well, wiping out humanity right now when they can, you know? And then I thought to myself, well, that's probably one. They're a huge empire, so they probably don't think they need to expend that many resources on humanity because of how low level humanity is. Mm. And two, humanity's already destroying itself. It's just a matter of time. It's not like a waiting game for them. Like they will expend far fewer resources, letting humanity destroy itself. They're also probably just waiting for the terraforming to finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, actually, that, that's something they had mentioned in one of the episodes was that... Episode 3. In episode 3, it was mm-hmm. they mentioned that humanity had 365 days left. Until oh, no, that's the end of episode 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the end of episode 1. They say that humanity has 365 days left before it's completely extinct. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's what experts give humanity before the planet is no longer able to sustain them at all. So... so as far as the aliens are concerned, they've already won. They're just doing damage control and keeping mm-hmm. keeping the humans corralled until they die. Mm-hmm. So, yep. But anyways, um, they then um, uh, this enemy, uh, like the, the commander who state uh, the commander of the Gamelians who's stationed on Pluto, um, they see the readings from the attack, um, mm-hmm. and they see that humanity has a weapon that's able to destroy their ships now. And yeah. so they're like, well, we don't. We should report this back. He's like, no, let's not worry about reporting it back. We'll just wipe them out with a missile right now. And so they launch a missile. <laughs> they launch site. a giant missile. It's huge. It's far, far bigger than their terraforming rocks that they send. It's yeah. massive. Um, and it takes pretty much all of episode two <laughs> to get from Pluto to Earth. Uh, every once in a while, they'll cut back and show the missile still going. Like it cruises past Pluto and then things like that. And they only notice it when it gets starts getting really close to mm-hmm. Earth. And the crew gets to the Yamato. Um, they power up the, the Yamato. Um, and we see the, the old wreck of a ship. The camouflage that they had put over it 
begin to crumble away. Mm-hmm. And Yamato bursts out of the earth and starts flying towards the sky. And it starts playing the, the Yamato theme. Oh, it's just... Uh, which is a really, really cool theme. It is a cool theme. Um, and... <laughs> it, it's just weaponized nostalgia right there. Yep. And uh, the music in this is very much a throwback to the 70s, 80s era. Yep. Um, and they shoot their uh, their main gun. Not their main gun. That's not revealed until episode three. Um, but they shoot their cannons yeah, they're, at they're this missile. Cannons. Their bridge cannons. Um, and they do something that's just so cool. Um it fires three shots. It's like one of our. It's like one of our battleships that has the three cannons on it. But it fires three shots, and the three shots bend together to become one single shot. Yeah, and it, it reminded me of like the the super gun that uh, Mega Man uses in Mega Man X. The oh first yeah. One. Mm-hmm. So got, like they're spiraling into each other, and then they mm-hmm. become one. So that's not exactly what it does, but the spiraling mm-hmm. effect. Made yeah, me think yeah, of that. yeah. And so they, uh, and so that one shot destroys the missile, and everyone's worried what's happened to the Amato because the Amato's caught in the blast. And then the episode ends with the Yamato cruising out of the explosion with no damage taken whatsoever. Yeah. And then they go out in, into space, and that's the end of episode one. And then they show us the opening credits. Uh, wasn't that episode two? Sorry. Yeah. yeah that's yes. right. That's the end of episode two. That is the end of episode And then two. they show us the opening credits. And the opening credits, and I went back and I checked, they are, for about half of the opening credits, a shot-for-shot recreation of the original. Nice. Opening credits. Um, same song and everything. It's the exact same song as the original opening as well. So this, uh, uh, yeah, this isn't like megaloboxing, uh, where um, where it's, it's a new imagining of an old, old a reimagining of an old classic. Now, this this one's is a, a remake, remake of the old. This is a traditional remake of the old classic. Uh-huh. Um, really, really staying true to its roots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but um. So they fly off on, into space. And then, like, the more action-oriented shots, like, it, it's the exact same until about it shows the bridge. And then it cuts to, I was about to say Rick Hunter, but that's not his name. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it, cuts, it, it to, comes to Brunette Rick Hunter. Brunette Rick, it comes <laughs> to Brunette Rick Hunter. <laughs> but it, it cuts to Kodai. And, yes. uh, wow, that uh, for th- th- those of you who don't know who Rick Hunter is, what are you doing listening to our show? <laughs> Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> uh, it just reminded me of that, uh, the, somebody labeled My Hero Academia figures as, uh, Green Naruto and, and Blonde, Blonde Sasuke. I saw that picture. Green Naruto and Blonde Sasuke. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, not that wrong. <laughs> but very yeah. wrong at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um. Yes. Episode three is where this show really comes into its own, though. Yeah, no, it really, really starts picking up at episode three. But, um, so, the credits, again, real fast. Code, uh-huh. it, when Kodai gets into the ship and, like, the p- cockpit slides down, all that's new stuff. Yes. So, up until, and then it ends with the same shot of, like, the camera fr- uh, ang- angle from behind of the Amato flying off into space. Right. So, anyways, yeah. <laughs> Brunette Rick Hunter. <laughs> Anyways, episode three is really where it starts taking off, just like you said. It really yes. comes into its own. Um, now, what's, something I've been uh, that I wanted to mention is that um, this show, unlike many others, gives the title of the show just as the ending credits are about to start. Don't they do that with um, with uh, Megalobox boxing? Uh, they might have done that with Megaloboxing as well, but it's just some. It's something that's that's rare. Yeah. Within the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, within the genre and. Um, I really like that they're doing it because the titles are a little bit spoilery. Yeah, at the same time, though, Crunchyroll just gives you the titles as soon as it starts up anyway. So, just like... Anyways, I, I know I know what you're saying, though. I know oh. what you're saying. So... Yeah, anyways. Um, so, yeah, the end of each episode gives us the title, which is really, which is a, a nice change of pace where they're trying to, you know, leave everything as a surprise. And then the ending credits of every episode is like a recap of what you just watched. Mm-hmm. What they've done is they, 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 they shrink down a screen and uh, basically play the highlights of the episode mm-hmm. you just watched while uh, credits are on black on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yep. But anyways, they... Um... Yeah, so the, the credits are pretty simple, and I actually like the recap credits as well. Yeah. Um, but they, um, oh, what am I trying to say here? They take, uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah. So after they 
after they successfully go into space, um, the the leadership of the ship uh-huh. um, has a meeting. And, oh, Kodai, um, he becomes the head tactician. So he's pretty much in, in charge of all the fighter squads yes, and it, ship it weaponry. Will, it wasn't going to be his job, but his his older brother mm-hmm. died in the battle of the first episode, and so it yeah. fell to him. And <laughs> when he and Yuki first meet in episode one, she gives him the cold shoulder because he's this brat who got their you know, experimental, experimental ship destroyed. Yeah. You know, In episode two... Who, when he gets onto the ship, because uh, he's given this assignment to be tactical command, um, he wants to meet the captain. He goes up to the bridge, and Yuki decides to be nice and receptive and welcoming and stuff. And she says, "Hi, we're let's get along since we're on the bridge together. We're gonna be on the bridge together." And she offers him a handshake, and he ignores it and says, "Where's the captain?" You know. And then he goes to the captain, and then she is. When his friend shows up and tries to introduce himself to Yuki, Yuki immediately thinks he wants to see the captain as well, and she just gives him the cold shoulder. He's like, captain's over there, you know? So, so upset because of how, uh, you know, um, you know, brunette Rick Hunter treated her (laughs) again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, um, yeah, so... uh, So, yeah, so he's not... uh, Kodai is not thrilled about his position but the admiral says look everybody who you know who were thinking is... about before you yeah they're all dead you know who else isn't thrilled about his position the guy whose ship he's stolen wrecked mm-hmm. and is now under him in a mm-hmm. command structure mm-hmm. yep which by the way something we skipped over when they introduced the doctor character the reason they introduced him uh, how they introduced him is both our main character and his best friend have giant welts on their cheeks and they're wrapping up the hand of the guy who... <laughs> yeah, you only see the aftermath of what happened when they got back. We actually see the doctor before that, but that's still a great a great scene with the doctor. Yes. That's a, very, that's a great scene with the doctor. Anyways, um, so they're ex- they explained to them that this ship is a warp-capable ship. It's able to create black holes, or not, wormholes. Yes. And go through, pass through those wormholes. Yes. And they're like, okay, uh, so they... They get, um, yeah, I, you can always tell a good show when they focus on the details. And we'll go ahead and get into that in a little mm-hmm. bit. But, um, they, um, they, the captain says there could be something bad could, could happen, so everybody suit up before we do our first jump, because they've never done it before. Right. And so they power up the engines, everybody's in spacesuits and stuff, and they go through their jump, and as soon as they hit the, as they pass through the wormhole, Time freezes for absolutely everybody on ship, and it's really, really cool how they show it. Uh, they've got one guy playing darts in the middle of the, it's, it's uh, the it's, a, a ha- it's a the hall. fighter pilot who punched the two yeah. the two friends. Um, um, so he's playing darts with uh, in the hall. Uh, somebody else is pouring himself some booze. The doctor's the doctor. pouring himself sake, um, and he yeah, and the dart is just frozen in mid air, um, and it just kind of gives panning shots of the entire crew and stuff as um, as. And- it reminded me of uh, that um, the, the live action v- uh, movie of Wing Commander that they did when they did when they had a jump they did a little bit of yeah. bullet time uh, tricks mm-hmm. there and but um, they were well, aware it? of it they, yeah. they they were aware of it when it happened I don't know if they're aware of it well I guess we'll learn it learn about it more later mm-hmm. but after the crew goes through the jump everything comes back to normal right nobody seems to be reacting to it but some crew do get what's called jump sickness. Which uh, is like having a hangover, so uh-huh. where the jump just de- just dehydrates you crazy. Right. Um, now, <laughs> what's it, what's so bad about being drunk? Ask a glass, glass of, of water. water. It took me so long to realize what he's referring to. It mean, means getting dehydrated. Yeah. It's like I was like, why, why would a glass of water worry about somebody getting drunk on alcohol? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. it took me too long to get that joke. Shame here. Uh, <laughs> Shame here. Anyways, um. Um, but something that I wrote down on my list of uh, things I found great about the show is when they actually left the jump. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that they left the jump, they, they left a jump portal and the entire ship was covered in a layer of ice that was shattering off of it. And I thought, mm-hmm. I thought adding that touch of physics of what would, uh, icing that happens to machines in the de- depths of space, plus whatever else was happening in the jump gate is just a fantastic detail that they're adding mm-hmm. to this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now and the effects of what was going on while they were in the wormhole and like they were crashing into a mirror or something and it was very 
visually was very striking, but the 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 detail of coming out of the wormhole covered in ice really uh, mm-hmm. really sold to me that they were thinking about the physics of what might be happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, yeah, no, uh, and after they take off their helmets and stuff, after they realize they're okay, um, the reason I said attention detail not only the ice over the ship. Um, something that I really, really liked was, um, and I didn't write it down, but when Yuki took off her helmet, her hair didn't just flow down. She had a clip to hold her <laughs> hair up. And I just thought, yeah, no, that's somebody who had hair as long as hers. That's what she would do to put her hair into a space helmet. Which is actually kind of a subversion of expectations because of the art style of this show is so full of those, well, yeah, well, no, the, the original... Material. Well, like, it's it's the iconic. The blonde pulls off the, the helmet and it and flows the, down. Flows it, down. Yeah. No. Like, I mean, we saw a scene just like that when we watched Excel Saga, where <laughs> they take off the Iron Mask and like you know three feet of blonde hair comes down that no way would have fit under that helmet. Yes. So yeah. So it's it's just another subver- it's a subversion of expectations. <laughs> it is. So yeah, it's great. I loved it. So just little because, details like yeah, that. I mean, it'll you're expecting it because of the original source material is the same art style as Galaxy Express nine nine nine, Interstellar fifty five fifty five, Space Pirate Captain Sp- Harlock, Space mm-hmm. Pirate Captain Harlock. They all of those shows did that where the helmet came off and the hair flowed, mm-hmm. and suddenly that didn't happen this time. That didn't happen this time. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, women are real people in this show. Anyways, um. They, uh, so they end up near Jupiter, which is not where they were planning on jumping to. So they thought something went wrong, but then they realized that something was in the way. And so the ship pulled out of jump immediately as a safety precaution. Mm. Um, and they, um, they, because of the immediate stop, the ship actually is malfunctioning now and they start falling down to Jupiter. They, and, they, were, they were caught in Jupiter's gravity well, mm-hmm. and the jump drive had overheated. The cooling system had uh, catastrophically failed and required repairs. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so... And they, um... And so they, they get the backup engines, and they're able to start flying barely again. Like, they're able to get under control, not really get lift, but they're able to they, they, control uh, the ship. Yeah, they're And they're they entering. see a yeah. massive object in front of them, and they see that's what the object was. That's pulled them out of warp. And it's a continent floating in the atmosphere of Jupiter, and the continent is the size of Australia. Yeah. It's a huge, huge thing just flying in the sky. And they land on it, and as they're repairing the ship, uh, they're taking readings, and they're going out and exploring and collecting samples and stuff of this place, and they realize that this is a terraformed chunk of rock mm-hmm. that the... Um, the uh, the uh, Gamulus uh-huh. have terraformed and they're using it as kind of like a base of operations. Yes. And while they, and when they realize that the Gamulus have discovered them and they send four ships to destroy them and the commander of the space is just like, nah, four ships is overkill. There's, they can't even, their guns can't even penetrate our armor. So. Uh, the, the the reason being is um, they were under surveillance by the Gamulus this whole time. Mm-hmm. The Gamulus knew that their ship had taken off. It had done so much damage to their ships and thought, these are humans and they're sending one ship out. Mm-hmm. They don't even have faster than light travel. What can they possibly mm-hmm. hope to accomplish? Mm-hmm. So he wanted to w- watch and see. They see the ship. that it, they, they detect that the ship had accomplished some kind of jump, but, mm-hmm. they don't, but they're not 100% sure how or what. And that it ended up on Jupiter, at one of the at a uh, a supply station for their ships, mm-hmm. and so this place is designed for many of their ships to come there and refuel, and they just o- happen to only be for there at the time, mm-hmm. and so they sent a hundred percent of what was available to go destroy the Yamato. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the um they send those four ships out and like well that's overkill you know well then. Yamato proves them otherwise. Yes. And um, they uh, like they divert power from um, so unnecessary the, so, systems. Yeah, so the Yamato's kind of crash-landed onto the continent. Well, not, um, not severely. Emer- just, just say emergency yeah, landing. Yeah. Emergency crash landing. landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they emergency landed onto the continent. So they're stationary. They're sitting ducks. Mm-hmm. But that didn't matter. No, because these four ships that are coming at them... They're like, um, 
they start charging them and Yamato they they don't have main power so they start diverting power from unnecessary systems to the weapons and they have weapons to the systems and then Brunette Recunter takes control and starts <laughs> issuing commands to destroy these ships as they're coming <laughs> yes uh, I shouldn't so, so... say that because I'm pretty sure Kodai came before Rick Hunter <laughs> but in my personal experience you know, yeah. I, I'm more familiar with Robotech than I am with Space Battleship Yamato. Sure. Um, <laughs> anyways. It's just that, that name's going to give me a grin every time you say it. Well, then, I will, then I will keep saying Go for it. Rick Hunter. Go for it. Um, anyways. So, um, so he fires and he destroys two of the ships and the other two are able to take uh, evasive actions mm-hmm. and avoid the attack and they start firing missiles Mm -hmm. one shoots four torpedoes at them and they activate the anti-air weapons and the anti-air weapons shoot the missiles out of the sky yeah um and then he and then the one of the ships gets close enough to where they can use projectile weapons rather than energy weapons and they just shoot and all three shots just bam 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 hits this thing knocks out of the sky and it crashes and explodes and the last one runs away and they're like well we've got full power now so let's get out of here and so they get full power and they fly up and they turn around and they say, let's destroy this, this base of operations. And you're like, oh, we, we should use the wave cannon. We need to use the wave cannon, which we skipped explaining because we wanted to get to the scene. Yes. But they explain that not only does this ship create warps, it also, which, you know, creates energy from behind to push them through a, a warp gate. Um, uh, they, uh, the big thing about the battleship Yamato is that it's pretty much a giant gun. Is that this energy can also be used as a cannon in front of them, and there's a little uh, there's a nozzle on front of the ship that opens up when they fire it, um, and they do this really really cool um, a sequence of powering up the gun and getting everybody ready, and then um, one thing that I really liked was the view screen that they have suddenly darkens. <laughs> And then everybody on the ship puts on goggles as well. And you're just like, how bright is this going to be if they have to darken the view screen and put on safety goggles? Yeah. And, um, and, um... So, so they have this kind of silly looking control system. You know, I was going to say that it's awesome. <laughs> silly my foot. That control system's awesome. A massive trigger show, like a, a gun handle shows up in front of Kodai's in Kodai's station. Yes. And he's and then, able and the to station control... In front of, and the station in front of that pops up uh-huh. these screens. And, and pops up a screen with a target reticle and stuff like that because he is direct center of the ship. Yeah. So what he sees is directly... What's directly in front of him is directly in front of the gun. So... And he's able to, like, use uh, little nubs on the handle to position the ship using its retro thrusters and stuff. To where it exactly needs to be to shoot what he wants to shoot. Yes. And then he cocks it. (laughs) By pulling on the back, he cocks it. And then there's a whole whole, uh, thing that the captain does, um, uttering different commands of engage, uh, unlock certain safeties and engage Mm -hmm. certain magnetic things. Mm -hmm. And we see giant Mm -hmm. mechanics in in the core of the ship shifting Mm -hmm. and moving. And it all boils down to this one handgun-sized control in mm-hmm. uh, Brunette well, Rick Hunter's hands. Brunette Rick Hunter's hands. And then Kodai, uh, once uh, he, uh, once the captain says, you know, go, like, gives him the go-ahead, he issues the command to fire, he pulls the trigger, and then... Well, they have he, they have a countdown. Well, yeah. yeah but is have, that before or after the trigger's pulled? I think because that's they, before the trigger's pulled. Because they had to count down from ten in order for enough energy to be in the gun. Mm-hmm. And so, after the countdown reaches zero, he then pulls the trigger, and the um, the hammer goes forward, which <laughs> goes in sync with the actual hammer of the gun inside the ship, and it shoots, and it slams into it, it, it connects whatever it needs to do. It just looks awesome. It looks awesome. It looks, and then, it looks like the hammer of a gun, the size of a subway tunnel. Yeah, and it just, boom, slams into whatever it needs to hit. And the sh- opening of the, sh- the 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 front of the ship, the the the, the fore of the ship, yeah. um, lights up, and this massive beam just shoots out of the the Yamato, and devastates a floating continent the size of Australia in a single shot. Disintegrates. Disintegrates it. it. Everything on it is gone. 
Um, yeah, and that's kind of where episode two ends with them using the Yamato cannon. Episode and, three. Oh, sorry, episode three. Thank yeah. you. Um, and this is what I wanted to talk about a little bit more, um, is the influence this show, show has even on us here in America. How familiar are you with StarCraft? I'm pretty familiar with it. Do you remember the battleships? I remember the battleships. Remember the Yamato cannon the battleships have? I remember use? being Zerg once and having a fleet of 12 of these things... And whoever was playing their, uh, this managed to synchronize it so that each one of the ships would fire at the th one right after the other. So it was a chain of Yamanto cannons that was just decimating my entire, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> entire base. For people who are not familiar with this show and are familiar with StarCraft, that's where they got the name Yamato Cannon from. It's be And it's just a massive energy blast that comes out and devastates what's ever in front of it. So, yeah, yeah this show has far and reaching influences throughout throughout our culture as well. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the first three episodes. What are your final thoughts on it? Um, I didn't know if I'd be interested in it while watching the first two episodes, but mm -hmm. once episode three came about, I mean, that's why we do three episodes in. Yeah. Because sometimes it's just not enough for the first two episodes. Mm -hmm. But this third episode really got me Especially going. Especially since thinking, the first two episodes felt like one episode. It did. It, mm -hmm. And it was, it was kind of a, what happened felt important, but poorly paced. Like, like may, maybe there would have been a better way to pace it. To keep it more, more, make it more engaging than it was for me personally, but once episode three hit, it really came into its stride, and I, I want to watch more of it. Cool, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I'd like to see more of it. Um, I'm not sure if this follows the same plot as the old one. Mm -hmm. um, I know that certain characters die throughout the series. So that's just what that's always happened in the anime when certain people pass away. Um, I know that in the original series, eventually, uh, Kodai pretty much becomes captain of the ship as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've kind of hinted that the Admiral's not going to survive the trip because of his age and his body is in ter terrible, terrible shape. Yeah. Um, I know that in the original series, uh, Kodai and, uh, Yuki get married mm -hmm. and they have a daughter. Um, but yeah, I have no idea if they're planning on just doing a faithful, complete recreation of the original show, or if they're going to be doing their own thing, or if they've done their own thing with it. Because they've already finished the first season, and they're about halfway through season two. Yeah. So. Well, maybe we'll find out. Yeah, so yeah, this show's a pass for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what comes next. Okay. All right, um, that's it for three episodes in. Uh, next up, we have um, our recommendation of the week. And that's you, Lee. That's your turn. No, no, we're gonna, okay. Before we go to the recommendation of the week, we're going to talk about what we're going to watch. Next oh, that's week. right. Next time, duh, duh. We have next time. Okay. We have another show coming up next time. Yes. <laughs> so next week, um, so this show has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of um, a lot of people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. Gotten a lot of critical acclaim, and um, some reviews are uh, that I've seen are mixed, and so I want to see for see for myself what it's like. So next week, I am picking Darling in the Franks. Okay. Or Franz. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. F-R-A-N-Z-Z. Uh, X-X? In the Franz. Franz. Franks. Uh, whatever. We'll, we'll figure okay. it out. Okay. So Crunchyroll has the following synopsis. The distant future, humanity established the mobile fort city plantation upon the ruined wasteland. Within the city were pilot quarters. Mistilian, otherwise known as the Birdcage. That is where the children live. Their only mission in life was the fight. Their enemies are the mysterious giant organisms known as the Kauru. And the children operate robots known as Franks in order to face these still, seen, still unseen enemies. Among them was a boy who was once called a child prodigy, code number 016, Hero. One day, a mysterious girl called Zero Two appears in front of Hero. I found you, my darling. Hmm. Okay. Now, I've heard that the show starts off really strong, but just kind of pitters out near the end. That's what I've heard, too. That's, but, you know, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm willing to, willing to give it a try with you. So that's what we'll watch for next week. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, that, so that's it for three episodes that's in. That's it for three episodes in. Let's man. go ahead and go to um, our recommendation of the week, then. All right, so this... 
this week I'm recommending an anime that we're probably not going to feature in a three episodes in because we've already seen it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I absolutely adore this anime, and it's called When Supernatural Battles Become Commonplace. Oh. <laughs> this is an adorable uh, high school show mm-hmm. about a world where everybody has some kind of superpower, but most of them are... No, not every... No. It's no. A, a very small minority of people have a superpower... But, and they form a high school club. Mm-hmm. Because what are they going to do with this superpower? Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to go out and be superheroes. They're high school kids. So they take mm-hmm. this a little bit more seriously than any other anime in that regard. All of them but one. One really now, wants to be a superhero. So, so our main character really wants to be a superhero. And his superpower is the most useless. And they say this in the show. That it's the most super useless superpower that's ever existed. He has this power called Dark and Dark. And what he can do is he can summon a dark flame in his hand. The flame produces no light, gives off no heat, and does absolutely nothing but look cool in his hand. And he's so excited about having this superpower. Whereas the other characters of the show, one of them can manipulate reality, one has power over time, one has power over the elements you know one uh yeah they, one they can just do whatever make... she wants you know they, they they could become the most powerful superhero team in the world if they wanted to and be completely unstoppable because of their powers yes and not a single one of them wants it has wants anything to do with this at all they just see uh, yeah they just see this as um the biggest inconvenience of their lives and this guy he's just like this is the greatest thing ever don't you guys understand we have superpowers so, this is so cool so he names the fl- the black flame in his hand dark and dark mm-hmm. and there's a scene and that absolutely just, uh, it just well, comes to me every time let's well, not really spoil it for the well for no, the no just he, he he he's so in love with his little superpower that he says good morning okay. and good night to it yeah okay it's like, I, oh good morning dark and dark good night dark and dark I thought you were going to be talking no, about not, something that happens later some, on something that happens later on just watch the show it's fantastic mm-hmm. some things happen later on but no this <laughs> he's just no, it's, it's just adorable it's a really really good show it's only 12 episodes long they didn't make any more than that um yeah. Leaves on a little bit of a cliffhanger, which is sad, but it's still, I still thoroughly enjoyed what they had. Yeah. Okay, Um. so that's uh, recommendation of the week. Thanks, Lee. Yep. Um, and now it's creator shout-out, and that's my turn. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and give a, a shout-out to Benjamin Scott, the creator of Puffin Forest on YouTube. And he just makes short little 5-10 minute videos about uh, D&D adventures and things like that that he has encountered. when he, Either he's run a game, or he's been in a game... Um, and they're just kind of delightful little stories that he shares. And um, he's got very, very good comedic timing. Like, he's really good with his comedic timing. And he's recently released... Um, he started releasing hour-long episodes of the superhero campaign that he's running on a new channel of his. And you can find that channel on his... Um, on his... Uh, on his YouTube channel. But his YouTube channel is Puffin Forest. Um, and you can go ahead and find him on Twitter as well, Puffin Forest. So I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout out for all the great work he's done. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Uh, if you listen to us on YouTube or we post this show on YouTube as well, um, please feel free to give us a like and subscribe. That's going to really help us out. Um, and if you want to support us, um, go ahead and spread the word of our channel or uh, the podcast, if you're listening to it via podcast, or, you know, even support us on, uh, our Patreon. Uh, we yep. very much appreciate that. Um, and so, uh, where can they find us on social media? Uh, our our site, um, WhitakerWeekly.com, will be f- having uh, links to our social media pages on the front page here pretty soon. Uh, in the meantime, you can search for us on Facebook at uh, Whitaker Weekly or follow us on Twitter at the handle at Whitaker Weekly. Okay. Well, that's about it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. I've been Andrew. I've been Lee. And this has been Whitaker...